Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. The Fable and Folly Network supports creators of exceptional audio stories, including the one you're listening to right now. If you love our shows, we want to hear from you. Complete our listener survey at fableandfolly.com survey. This will help us learn more about you, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and how we can maintain an inclusive, safe atmosphere. As a thank you for your participation, we have extras and behind-the-scenes content from your favorite shows. Fans make the network what it is. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to hear from you. Find our listener survey at fableandfolly.com survey today. This is Chuck Octagon, or it would be if I had the opportunity to pick up the phone. Seeing as I didn't, I'm probably busy reporting on a late breaking news story. So instead, this is Chuck Octagon's voicemail. Noun, a centralized electronic system that can store messages from telephone callers. That's you, a telephone caller. And in just a moment, you will be leaving a voicemail for Chuck Octagon. If this is a lead on a story, try Underground Headquarters at 617-575-9243 and ask for me. Chuck Octagon. If it's not a lead, then please wait for the beep and proceed to deliver your soon-to-be-stored message in my centralized electronic system for, you guessed it, Chuck Octagon. Chuck, I've got to be honest with you. I really appreciate this job offer you've given me. And make no mistake, I am still taking you up on it. But do you know how exhausting it is to grow up with a predestined career that's just been sort of thrust upon you? To have every decision already made for you just because you've always been preternaturally good at something? I mean, okay, to a certain degree, it's a blessing, right? Like, you never had to go dick around at a liberal arts college for four years, obsessing over the works of some dead guy like William Faulkner, just to figure out that what you're actually good at is managing other people's money. Like, you never had any other real options? Because your life's just been a natural procession of drama club to acting camps to short films to eventually staring down the barrel of your 10th year in a career you were never really sure you wanted in the first place. (laughs) That's kind of what it feels like to be me. To have everyone around me recognize that I come alive the moment the cameras start rolling. Like, because I know how to turn my charm up to 10 and can always think on my feet, whether or not you've got a teleprompter in front of me, the only option I've ever had to make my way through the world was to be an actor. There's no alt-universe version of me that's covered in grease-stained overalls as I fixed the engine of a classic car, or cultivated the next incredible species of hydroponic broccolini. Because even if we are living in a multiverse, every single Nicole Fonzarelli out there in the swirling abyss would always, no matter what her circumstances are, end up with a face full of clown makeup and at least a monologue's worth of some story or news clip to spit out. It's just how we're built. All of us. I can feel it in my bones. I know I'm right. Even if there's a small part of me that doesn't want to be. Because even though I really appreciate my family for pushing me to pursue a career that was maybe a little less than guaranteed on the financial stability front, it's not hard to feel a little bitter over the fact that I didn't get to come to it on my own. Like, 
Maybe I wanted those four years to dick around reading Faulkner, or building pinhole cameras, or wasting away all their money, drinking every night, seeing who could build the biggest wizard staff, trying on metaphorical new selves, like I have to try on costumes now. Look, I know that I'm lucky. Even more so because they didn't try to push me to be some child star weirdo. They just made sure that I had a camera of my own so I could practice making silly shorts and flexed whatever connections they could to help me succeed. Like getting me into the broadcast television program at the local trade school after I was cut from the JV basketball team. Or how they drove me all over the country to visit colleges and never once batted an eye when I got into Juilliard at how much it had cost. Because they know that I had talent and knew it would pay off someday. For me, not for them. Because that's all they ever cared about in the first place. Here, I'll tell you how it started. (sighs) When I was a kid, maybe 11 or 12 years old, a few of my cousins lived down in Maryland. It was a long drive, so... We only ever really saw them at the holidays, maybe a week in the summertime, usually back home at our grandma's house. And this was my favorite part of the year because my parents would both be working and they just drop me off at grandma's house so I could spend all day with them, running through the sprinklers and watching Ghost Rider and flipping over rocks to look for roly-poly bugs and eating peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Anyway, it was always my favorite time of the year. Only this year was different. It was special. Because my dopey Uncle Blurp, that's what we called him. Why, I'll never know, but that was just his name. So anyway, he shows up with his two kids in tow, and he's carrying a brand new handheld camcorder. And this thing is just so cool. Forget about the giant boxy thing my grandpa always used to lug around. This was something even we could hold without too much fear of breaking it. And Uncle Blurp, he was cool. See, he was like my parents in that way. All he wanted was to see his kids happy and laughing. Blurp hands us this camera, shows us how it works, and just lets us go wild with it. And for some reason, we'd all graduated to watching the Food Network that summer, and we're all getting just old enough to be left in the kitchen unsupervised to make a few simple meals. Boxed mac and cheese, boiled hot dogs, a box of spaghetti, what have you. And so, my cousins and I, we decided to make a food show of our own. Ricky was the cameraman and Stacy was the director, but me, as the oldest of the bunch, I got to be the star. Fonzarelli's Franks, we called it, because we all had a hankering for hot dogs and thought we'd kill two birds with one stone. And besides, Lerp's real name was Franklin, so we thought he'd get a real kick out of it. So Stacy spends all this time on a script for me to read off writes it out in these giant bubble letters on poster boards that she holds up while Ricky's manning the camera, and I'm standing on this little wooden step stool thing because I'm too short to reach the pot of boiling water. But after the steam gets in my eyes and fogs up my glasses, I realize I couldn't read the scripts and just went for it anyway. I improved an entire treatise on the proper way to prepare the perfect dog with nothing but a little bit of TLC. That's the exact phrase I used at the time. A little bit of TLC. Once Stacy stopped crying over the fact that I didn't use her script, and we played it for Uncle Blurp and Auntie Mel and Grandma and Mom and Dad, they all couldn't stop laughing. They called me their little Julia child and 
told me it was the funniest thing they ever saw. Which, to be honest, I didn't entirely get at the time. Because I wasn't trying to be funny, but it didn't matter. It still felt good that they were laughing. Because the things I said, the things I did, it made them happy. And that was a high I haven't been able to stop chasing since. We still watch that old tape whenever they all come back and we're all actually able to get together for a visit. It's gotten grainy, but without fail, one of my family members will mention it. This is how we knew you were destined to be a star. And I thank them. Of course I do. They've all supported me so much for so many years through the highs and the lows through the gender-bent performance of Thornton Wilder's Our Town to DVRing the first on-camera gig I got post-college in a laxative commercial. That kind of love is infectious, even if it doesn't always pay the bills. But I've got to tell you, there's still a part of me that wishes they were just a little bit more conservative in their encouragement of me. Because this industry is tough. And even though I've had my fair share of luck and work in the past decade, I think I might have lived with a little bit less heartbreak without it. So yes, I will work for you. And honestly, I'm going to do a damn good job. And I can't thank you enough for giving me the opportunity, but I do still have to admit to myself, if not really you, that there was a small part of me that was excited by my briefly uncertain future. After Nico refused my offer of co-hosting a new, Dimitri-focused, inexplicable riddles, I thought it was maybe a sign. Like, maybe I could finally stop auditioning and go waste my time on something else for a little while. And then there you were, with your perfect offer and even further proof that my destiny is preordained in a way that's entirely outside of my control. I mean, come on. What's up with that? Damn, is that really the time? All right, Chuck, my good man, it's time I go catch some Z's. I'll see you on Monday. Greater Boston is written and produced by Alexander Danner and Jeff Van Driesen with additional support from Jordan Higgs, T.H. Ponders, Bob Remunda, and Jordan Stillman. This episode was written by Bob Remunda and Jeff Van Driesen. Recording and technical assistance from Mark Harmon. Dialogue edited by Bob Remunda. This episode featured Jeff Van Driesen as Chuck Octagon and Kristen DiMercurio as Nicole Fonzarelli. Starlight by Simon Peterson. Charlie on the MTA performed by Emily Peterson and Dirk Titi. Transcripts are available at greaterbostonshow.com. Boy, Nicole sure did leave this voice message late at night, didn't she? I don't expect Chuck will call back until morning. Maybe try checking your voicemail then. Okay, first of all, how dare you write this script? <laughs> how fucking dare you? This is... Ooh, I'm fine. This is gonna be fine. I'm gonna... I'm great. Don't worry about it. This is so much. Wow. Read me to filth, why don't you? Cool. Love this. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. You start with your own breathing. Match the rhythm of the breeze that carves the canopy, the birds and bugs chirping in set intervals. Feel the subtle pulse rising up from the ground beneath you. 
To wander is to dance with the forest. But the forest isn't just the partner. She's the music, the style. She's the rhythm. She's the set of ancient steps and movements that have been passed down from one dancer to another. She teaches you to dance the dance she invented to the music she's singing in a tonal system she thought up one night as it pleased her. You breathe, and you listen, and you wait for your place. Your first step, the call to... Fairy Folktale Podcast from T.H. Ponders, a member of the Fable and Folly Network. Listen to the show by searching for The Wanderer in Apple Podcasts or by visiting www.callofthewander.com.